morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where it's uh, where we, we talk about NFL DFS, right? NFL is back. We got showdown tomorrow. We got the, the first main slate on Sunday. So, I mean, it's NFL all the time. I mean, there's more money in NFL DFS than any other sport. People cannot get enough of it. They they, they plan their weeks around it. So, uh, if you're here for MLB, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not even playing MLB anymore. I'm going to be focusing on NFL and also soccer. Soccer's back. And there'll be some Champions League slates in the midweek. So, kind of buy it's like NFL and then showdowns on Monday and Thursday and then Champions League Tuesday and Wednesday. So MLB is kind of like, it's the end of the season. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm saving my money, my volume for those other sports, but there's always stuff to talk about, always stuff to talk about strategy wise. And I answer your questions from the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there. Uh, Anthony Golding really early, 10, 24 AM. He came he really, really early. Uh, real life pitcher DJ Cicero, Suki Singh, Joe Mack, card fan, Shane Newman, Eric Hiltfall, Jerome Lewis, Doug Montgomery, Con Campbell, Edward Brown, Matt Mears, Julian Wilson. Good morning. Hit that thumbs up, thumb, 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 thumbs. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit me those thummy thumbs, thumbs ups in the morning. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Feel free to post post your question, post your comments in the YouTube chat. Even I I, I scroll back. I get to I get to everything pretty much. Uh, I mean, at some point, either on today's show, tomorrow's show, whatever. So if you're on the podcast feed, which tons of people listen to, feel free to rate and review it in iTunes. Uh, if, if, if you want if you want a certain question asked, if you, if you want something talked about more, you got to show up, right? The live people are my priority. And, uh, and uh, it, my priority is to help you help you think better. Help you think about DFS. In, in, a, in a more strategic way. Think about the game of DFS more than let's try to figure out what uh, what five uh, K wide receivers are going to have a good game on Sunday, right? The game is very variant. Okay, so we could go through a million different things to try to predict it better. And most of the time you're going to be wrong, okay? But how can you play the game of DFS better? So that's why yesterday I uh, I posed, I, I've been posing these questions on Twitter, these little poll questions. I'm always amazed by the responses because people that follow me, I'm assuming are, are more intelligent and then they proved me wrong. And I posted, which players, I meant this for the NFL, okay? Because I, I, I assumed people would understand that I'm talking about NFL DFS. Which player's fantasy point outcome is typically more valuable for your lineup in large field GPPs? I gave you two choices, a 3K player that goes for 18 points, which is 6X point per dollar value, or an 8K player that goes for 32 points, which is a four time multiplier for point per dollar value. Now, right here, I mean, it's a little, it's, it's almost 50-50, right? A lot of votes, so 1659. So people are like, oh, do, do you take, do you, would you rather have in your lineup, if you were able to start your lineup right now, just right now, you have nine nine spots in, in your in your lineup. You're like, I could pre-fill it with a 3K player that gives me 18, but you get those 18 points for 3K. Or do you want the 8K player that gets 32 points? Which is more valuable for, for a large field GPP? I always say large field GPP is because that, that means you're trying to put up the highest ceiling possibility, the closest to the nuts because there are obviously situations in smaller field GPPs or obviously cash games where you don't need that. You don't need that high of a score. Okay. But in large field GPPs, you're looking for a pretty, you're looking for a high, high score. You're looking as many as possible, right? You're going to practically need the nuts or close to it. Okay. And then I explained, you know, we would, people responded back. They're like, I'm going to, I'm going to take the cheap guy all the time. I'm going to take, then uh, uh, other people are like, I'm just going to take the points. Why wouldn't I want more points, right? Uh, the answer, if you were to run this out, if you were to run this out uh, a slate, you know, and, and put together after the slate is over, the top scoring players at each position, 
and then just ran out like what what are the highest likelihood of them appearing in the winning gpp line the players that score the most points relative to their position are going to appear in the first place lineup more often than the players that make the best value now most likely you're going to find a mix of both right most likely uh, the guy that the 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 10k running back that goes for the christian mccaffrey goes for 50 points he's going to be in the winning gpp line alongside uh, a, a, a 3K wide receiver that that put up 20, right? You're probably going to see both together. But who are you more likely to see in that line? The answer is the highest scoring player at each position, especially the positions that there's only one spot of. There's, there's less roster slots for. So I, I, I gave the answer. I gave the, the explanation here. Average DFS players often focus too much on getting a certain value. Right, you'll hear people. Uh, I want to get three x value. I want to get four x value. I want to get five x value. You know these these multiplier type values, and you hear it in all the sports. And they focus on getting a certain value. Can I get a certain value from a player from a point per dollar perspective? Okay, many will roster several players that exceed this value. They go, oh, I got a four k player that uh, that get me uh, sixteen points. That's four x. How do I complain about four x? And they'll get several of those players in their lineup. And yet they'll still be 40 points behind first place. They go, well, I, I, I played, I, but I played this guy who got four X, four X, four and a half X. And then I have uh, you know, and then I filled it out with uh, some other guys. I played some quarterback, some tight end, you know, the tight end only gave, only gave me 14 quarterback gave me 22. Why am I so far behind? Why, why did the Patrick Mahomes lineup win? The Patrick Mahomes lineup has less players that made value, right? That made that 4X value, yet yet it won, right? The lineup with Kyle, Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes-Kelsey lineup won, and they're the most expensive players at their positions. They didn't make 4X value, right? And they're, they're in the winning line. How, how is that possible? Well, because you still need to roll points, right? They fail to realize that there's an opportunity cost on every roster slot since you only have nine of them. Winning GPP lineups will most often contain several, but not necessarily all, of the highest raw scoring players on the slate, regardless if their value was comparatively lower. So by focusing purely on point-per-dollar value and not nearly as much on a raw point ceiling, you may indeed be right. You're, 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 hey, if you get good point-per-dollar values throughout your entire lineup, you know, you're probably going to come in pretty high in a GPP. You're going to get 80th percentile, 90th percentile, 95th percentile. But you're also limiting your probability of a 99th percentile lineup, a lineup that could win first place. Like, oh, I have all the best point. I have a lot of good point per dollar values in my lineup, but I don't have insert player that scored 44 points. Insert uh, tight end that scored 28 points. Insert the defense that had two defensive touchdowns. It's like, well, it was a $4,100 defense. So yeah, but they scored 27 points as a defense. The next highest scoring defense scored 12. Where are you making up those 15 points? You have to roster a defense, but where are you making them up? That's why I, I went into positional constraints make the opportunity cost on a roster slot even higher. Exceeding point per dollar value on cheap players at certain position is only helpful when that leads to gaining more raw points at another position that your opponents cannot have due to construction. So when you play the 3K wide receiver that gets you 18 points, right? Like in the example, it's only beneficial if you also, that allows you to get now a a 9K player or the rest of your construction getting more raw points than everyone else. So let's say, for instance, at 9K, you have Dalvin Cook. You got got Dalvin Cook and you got Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara up there, right? And let's say you're only playing one of them, right? You're, you're building a lineup. You're, you're, hey, you're being two of them, right? You're going all the way down at wide receiver. We're going to see that this week. You go, I'm going to get the top point per dollar wide receivers, those 3K wide receivers this week. And I'm going to pick two of between Kamara, Cook, and McCaffrey because they're, you know, they're expensive and they have the highest ceilings. Well, if you don't get both of those players right, it doesn't matter what the, what the 3K wide receivers did. 
if they get six X. Obviously, if a three K wide receiver goes for forty points, that's a different story. They're they're probably the highest raw point scorer on the slate anyway, no matter what their price is. But let's say you pick McCaffrey and Cook, and McCaffrey puts up twenty eight, and Cook puts up twenty eight, but Kamara puts up forty two. Who's gonna be Who's gonna be in the winning lineup? It's gonna be Kamara. So it's like, well, well but I played all three. No, no, the winning lineup is gonna have instead of having three good point, the best point per dollar wide receivers, it's gonna have two of them. And Kamara more often than it's going to be, well, your lineup, but just Kamara in that, in that situation. So I say, for instance, a lineup containing a quarterback, tight end, or DSD, I singled out those positions specifically that put up significantly more raw points than the next highest scoring player on that position is worth way more in first place equity since everyone must roster one. There will be less ways to make up those points elsewhere. Exactly what I said before. You, there's a tight end that scores 20 points more than any other tight end. Well, you're forced into rostering a tight end. So any lineup that has the, the highest scoring tight end is going to be 20 points ahead of you no matter what. You have to now make that up in all of your the rest of your line. The person that has the, tw- the 20 points out of the tight end has the luxury of beating out all the other people that don't have that tight end. That's why I say in large field GPPs, instead of trying to jam in as much value into your lineup as a priority, think more about the probability a player could be the highest raw scoring at their position first, and then round out the rest of your lineup with good salary adjusted value. So it's not a matter of like we take a look here and go, uh, you know, I'm not going to play Terrence Marshall or Michael Pittman or Elijah Moore or Rondell Moore, you know, we got a Jalen Waddle or KJ Hamler or Marvin Jones, Marcus Callaway. Right? Well, we got a lot of these cheap 3K level type of wide receivers that, from a point per dollar perspective, project very well. But what are their raw point ceilings? Now, in this case, in our Grinite IQ projections, Marcus Callaway actually has an extremely high ceiling. Okay, he's one of the highest ceilings on the slate, even for his rate, right? Even for his price. For wide receiver, he's like, the fourth highest ceiling wide receiver, and he's still only 3,400, right? That's a little different case. But if we take a look at, uh, like, point per dollar wise, like, you're going to see Terrence Marshall, but his ceiling is 20. Pittman, his ceiling is 18. Marvin Jones, ceiling 21. Hamler, 19. Moore, 18. Higgins, a little bit more, 23, but he's 4,700. Rondell Moore, 16. So it's like from a point per dollar perspective, if you've got 16 for 3K, that's pretty damn good. But you that also means that you still have to get for these large field GPPs, get the highest raw score. You're paying down getting 16 at wide receiver. So you end up getting the highest scoring running back and quarterback. And I, that could be represented. I What I did before the show is I ran 100 lines. Okay. And I ran a hundred lineups with the median. Okay. Those median values. See who comes up the most. Okay. Marquez Callaway is a, is a unique situation this week that he's great point per dollar value. And he has a high raw points. But we see here in running the median, we get Kamara, we get Cook, we get, Mahomes a little, but I mean, we mostly get, you know, Marcus Calloway, T. Higgins, 94% of lineups, Pittman, 83% of lineups, Kyle Pitts, 73%, Antonio Gibson. We at Green Iron IQ has him as like the highest point per dollar for running back, right? We get Antonio Gibson, 46%. We get Devontae Adams in there. We get Eckler in there. We get Terrence Marshall in there. We get, look at, look at all the people that we get in here. But let's say I run it by ceiling. So that's 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 what I care about. So, I mean, if we take a look even at the quarterbacks here for median, you get more Sam Darnold than anything else. And Sam Darnold's median is only 19. I mean, it's a high for it, but he's only 5K. So that's great point per dollar value. You get Mac Jones in five lineups. That's great point per dollar value. But the highest raw point quarterback is, is Patrick Mahomes. But if we take a look at the difference between 19.7 for Darnold and 25.88 for Mahomes, so that's a difference of what? About six points? But their ceilings 
How much does their ceilings away from each other? Well, if Mahomes at 41 and where, where is uh, Sam Darnold at 29? So when considering their raw point ceiling, they're like 11 points different, not five, not five or six. So as we start considering raw point ceilings, the gap between players starts getting larger and larger. So that's why in addition to doing the median, the median, the range of outcomes gets a little bit closer. So we're going to see a lot by Michael Pittman, right? 83% of lineups, 14 points for 4,100, which is pretty good. But his ceiling, if we looked before, was only 18. So it's like getting getting 14, even 18 points out of Michael Pittman for 4,100, you would think is good enough. But it's only good if you're able to jam in everyone else that is the highest scoring players on the slate. And if you don't, you're not going to get there. So I ran the second build of 100 lineups on, on the ceiling numbers. So now when we run it under the ceiling numbers, we still get Callaway because he actually has a high ceiling. We still get Pitts. Pitts has almost as high of a ceiling as Travis Kelsey, according to the Grin R and IQ projections. But look at this now. We're not getting any Sam. Look, where's the Sam? Where's Sam Darnold? Where did Sam Darnold go? I don't see Sam Darnold here. I see all, I see, look, 92% Patrick Mahomes. I see all the Chris, Christian McCaffrey. I see Christian McCaffrey. I see less T. Higgins than the other one. See Najee Harris. Where do you see Antonio Gibson? Where, what happened to Antonio Gibson? He was the highest point per dollar running back. I don't, I, I don't see him here. I don't see, look, Elijah Moore is down at 12%. KJ Hamler, 7%. Some of these cheap, you see Terrence Marshall there. You see Kamara, McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. These are high raw points players. So if you take a look, it's like, well, you need Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you probably need a cheap receiver also, but like these lineups don't contain three cheap receivers. All right, if we go through. Means the Aguilar here. I mean, some of them will. You're going to see a mix. But what do they almost definitely contain? Well, Kamara. Kamara has the highest, I believe, has the highest ceiling projection for running back. We go by ceiling. Yeah, Kamara. So Kamara's in all the lineups. He's the highest raw, he's, I believe he's the highest raw point ceiling player on the slate. Yes. And McCaffrey's next. So look at the raw points right here. Jefferson's right here. Devontae Adams, 27. Tyreek Hill, 27. Brown, 26. Eckler, we saw Eckler, 25. Najee Harris for 6,300, 25. So yes, while you will see a mix, a mix of cheap 3K guys that give you, you know, 20 points, which is fine. But you're almost guaranteed to find, look, Mahomes, Kamara, Pitts. The highest, the highest scoring, the highest scoring players from each position. So which is more important? Getting the 3K guy that gets 15, 18 points? Or getting the highest raw point scoring player on, on the slate, especially if the gap between that player and the rest of the players in that position or some or, or, or so much the gap is wider. So that's where you go through here and you go, oh, well, it's Mahomes, it's Mahomes, it's Mahomes, it's McCaffrey, it's Kamara. It's, I mean, and on other slates, when, you know, why do you, we may have Adams and Thielen, you know, Adam, not maybe a Thielen, Diggs or something like that, depending on the lineup construction. But so many people this week are going to go in the large field GPPs and go, I'm going to play uh, Mac Jones plus Jacoby Myers plus whatever. Right. And then, oh, but I, but I could, I could fill in, I could fill in these cheap guys and then pay up and go, I'm going to, I'm going to pay up for, for everything else. It's like, well, which is more important. The pay up guys are more important than the cheap guys. 
you could win a GPP at 3K if, if in this type of lineup, if Christian McCaffrey goes for 55 points, like Terrence Marshall could have six points and you could, you could still win with that. It's possible. It's probably less likely. You could still win with that, but you're not going to be able to win without Christian McCaffrey. So these, these, I'm just reiterating, especially this week where we're seeing, we look here at the gridiron IQ projections. We take a look at wide receiver. We go by point per dollar. We see, look at all the players that project for higher than 3X value, median-wise. Look at all of them. People are going to be, people are going to be tempted to go, I'm going to play three of them. And that could work out. You're right, it can. Because any of these guys could end up being one of the highest raw scoring players on the slate, right? If that ends up happening, then you could throw it out the window, Right? Michael Pittman goes out and puts up 36 points and beats out Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams, then, yeah, well, he, he is the highest for a scoring play. It didn't matter with his point-per-dollar value. He's like, well, he is the right. It doesn't matter what his salary is. But if these guys just put up 15, having one in your lineup, having two in your lineup, so then you could pay up for other things, that's fine. But people are going to try to jam too many of these guys in and then pay up at defense, right? Then pay up, then pay, pay up at running back. Well, you don't, you don't need to pay up at running back. You end up getting, you know, enough points out of not like Najee Harris based on our projections. This is what, this is what I like talking about in the start of a lot, a lot of seasons in any sports. This applies to any sport. Basketball. People focus on, I'm going to play the 4K guy that gets the 20. 26 points, 24 points, 28 points. Oh, well, they have seven X. They make seven X. Like, well, did you, did you have Giannis's 80 points in that lineup? No. Well, then it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. You still needed, you needed multiple of the highest raw scoring players on the slate because you're still, you're still trying to score the most points. Still need points. You still need actual points. I just wanted to highlight. So a lot of people get it wrong. They go, they look at point per dollar values, especially if they're using optimizers. They go, okay, let me sort by median, sort by point per dollar, and I'm going to play a ton of these guys. I'm going to play a ton of lineups that look like this. And then their players don't, they, they actually do pretty well. They're sitting there with uh, 190 points and going, wow, the, the winning lineup was 240. How, how did I not get there? All of my players made value. Right, I play. I played some of the most best point per dollar values. Yeah, but you didn't have you didn't have the top quarterback. You didn't have the top tight end. You didn't have T one. You didn't have QB one on the slate. You didn't have RB one on the slate. If wide receiver one, if someone like Devontae Adams goes off for forty two points, you have three wide receivers that have fifteen each that are cost like nothing, and you're using the flex on a running back. Well, you're dead. The winning lineup most probably has Devontae Adams, 42 points. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, in comparison, point per dollar-wise, that isn't as good. Yeah, I know, but it's still more points. There's a, there's, you only have nine slots to use. So don't focus so much on, on you need to get point per dollar value out of every slot. I'm going to play all the best point per dollar value. In cash, sure. Like I said, if you want to maximize your probability of a 55th percentile, 60th percentile, 70th, 80th percentile outcome, sure, yeah, yeah, go for it. That's perfectly fine. That's how you build cash lines. You're going to play this $5 millimaker on DraftKings with 1.2 million entries. It's most likely not going to be, especially, but I'm not even considering ownership, but especially considering the ownership, it's not, it's most likely not going to be three 3K wide receivers unless one of those three 3K wide receivers happens to also be one of the highest scoring wide receivers on the slate anyway. But then the salary didn't matter. It's just, you need three, you need to roster three wide receivers. You'd like to get three of the top, three out of the top X scoring ones of them. And some slates, there are more that score more and there's some that score less. On a slate, if you play the three 3K wide receivers and they all score 15, but no other wide receiver scores more than 20, then you're great. That, then that's good. Then you're fine. The opportunity cost of your wide receiver slots were, wasn't that high. 
But if you have two wide receivers that put up 35 to 40 points and you're playing three 15-point guys that are 3K and get good point-per-dollar value, you're probably dead. You're dead the first. There's going to be some lineup that has both of them, many lineups that have one of them, and they may not be as good in another position, but they made up those points. You have 45 points in all three of your wide receivers, in, in three of your wide receiver spots, and that person has 45 points out of one of the wide receiver spots. So the other two spots could actually be sevens, and that lineup would beat yours. And you'd look at that lineup and go, well, they, they had two duds in their lineup. How could they score more points? Yeah, because because you have to make up the 30 points that they made in one slot that you didn't have. <clears throat> it sounds it sounds simple. It sounds logical. But then people go to build lineups and they they I mean it sounds common sense. Don't you want the players with the most points? No matter what the salary is. Once the slate starts, the salaries don't matter anymore. Going through the YouTube chat. Baker Helton, do you think there's enough edge in cash games for showdown to beat the rake long-term? That depending on what stakes you play and how weak your opponents are. Sure, why not? The main thing that will always define your edge more than anything else is the strength, the, your relative skill versus your opponent's. So, yeah, if, if all the weak players died today and it was just all sharp players, yeah, there'd probably be no edge, right? That would beat the rake. So if you're able to find the weakest opponents and they're bad enough that you beat them more often and then still make money off past the rake, then you're fine. And I, I believe so. Probably in the lower stakes. If you play in the higher stakes, maybe not. Unless you happen to find, you know, whales. People that play $500 head-to-heads that are, are not very good. And you can, sometimes you can't find that. Sometimes. Some people focus on that, finding those things. Doesn't happen that often, but that's, that's what they focus on. But the lower stakes, I, th- I think it's still beatable. Let's see. Humongous says that poll proves there's still an edge in NFL DFS. All of my polls end up proving there's a there's still an edge. Which it's it's just amazing to me that you're following me, but this is this is what I mean by thinking about the game of DFS. I'm not asking these questions just to you know just like oh oh trick question. I'm just trying to you know gotcha you know look how smart I am type of thing. Like no, you should be thinking of these types of things. People spend the entire week thinking on uh, deciding between Marvin Jones and Elijah Moore, and I don't spend my time thinking about that. I think about construction dynamics that this that what that question is it's a construction dynamic is it is, am i and and it's a mistake that type of construction dynamic is something that people make mistake time and time again that's a leak in your play so it's not the type of thing that well for this week i brought it up for this week especially because we do have a lot of cheap because of the the, the salaries came out you know a month plus ago we do have mispriced you know, young wide receiver 3K guys that could have decent target shares that are going to project well. They're, the fragility of the projection is going to be, it's, don't be so sure about them. But this is something that you will compound. If you don't fix this leak, you're going to compound this leak week after week after week after week by automatically going towards, how do I get the best value into my lineup? Which is great if you're playing cash games. Right? I didn't say anything about cash games with this. You're like, okay, let me jam as much point per dollar value and then get the raw points in the other positions. Go like, okay, I'm just jamming three three K wide receivers and then I'll just pay up for uh Cook, Kamara, and and McCaffrey. Well, that's great. Okay, you can do that. That's double ups. Then do that. And if you get the point per if you get the point per dollar medians from all your players, you're probably go, you're probably doubling your money. There you go. So it has nothing to do with cash games, but people take that mentality and they transfer it over to GPPs. And in smaller field GPPs, yeah, you can lean. You can lean. You can lean more on that side because you don't need as much of a score, much of a high score. You're playing a 300 person GPP. 
the Millie Maker winning lineup could be 265, and the winning lineup in your in your contest could be could end up being 190, 200, like 60 points lower. So it's like, okay, well, I got the point per dollar value here. I got the point per dollar value here. I did a 2v2. I switched this up, and there you go. You're done. You can win that way. But the large field GPPs, it's like, no, you the winning lineup is not going to not never contain like, oh, well, the highest scoring quarterback, the highest scoring running back, the highest scoring wide receiver, the highest scoring tight end. And it's going to be none of those players. Like that's never going to happen. It's just, it's never going to happen. It may have some point per dollar, like best play type of things in there, but it's not, not going to have like the, here are the six highest scoring players on the slate and the top lineup only has one of them. Like not it's most likely going to have three or four of them. Two of at least two, three. So it's more important to, to aim for those raw point ceilings than it is to jam in this like point per dollar value. Oh, uh, let's see. Max Coach One Blender. I came in third last night in the $18 MLB 10K GPP. Came in second three weeks ago for another 10K. I credit you and the show, man. Thank you. You're doing better than me this <laughs> You did better than me this MLB season. I've had like 7 million like top 20s and no first places. Okay. And Matthew P is commenting on the, on the ownership. Don't worry about the ownership. Well, some of these things aren't even filled out. Like it's Wednesday. Who knows what the hell's going on? I don't even concern myself about ownership this early. You still got practice reports. You still got, it's, it's, I don't even, like, literally, I'm saying this, like, I don't even, I'm not even looking at it. I don't look at ownership until Friday, Saturday. Oh, uh, let's see. Humongous says, can't wait for Callaway to be 30% owned and put up 12 points. That's possible. But he also has a, he also has a high ceiling. I mean, is the grid IQ, but I mean, look at his range of outcomes, though. 4.86 to 26.6. Well, I like, compare that versus Michael Pittman, 5.1 to 18. But yes, 12 points is within, like, his median is 14.7, according to the grid IQ projections. If he put up 12, like, who's going to put up 12, 12 or less, like 40% of the time? Like 40% of the time! So yes, at thirty percent owned, he's he's. I, I probably will not have. Uh, I, I will not be above the field on this. Matthew P got a question. Do you plan on multi-entering a bunch this year, or having with some more focus on the smaller field, single entry, or a three max contests, or both? Both. The answer is both. The fields, the large field GPPs, are so soft that I can't not play them. I'd, I'd rather focus, I'd, I'd, truthfully, I'd rather focus on the, the higher stakes small field contests. I'd rather play the Spy and the Power Sweep, which I do, the Juke, the Game Changer, you know, like some towards that le- level. But then, you, then you, lo- you look at these large field contests and see how much dead money is there. And you go, how do, I mean, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be practicing what I preach. Like the number one thing is you find the weakest opponents. And there you go, there's the weakest opponents. The problem is, is that it's 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 hard to win. It's it's hard to realize your EV in those contests, but you have the highest EV in those contests. So that's the thing. So balancing that out, bankroll wise, that, that to me that that's what I'm doing. So yes, so so I'm I'm doing both. Real King, would you use an opto to build a cash or a three max lineup? Why could you could? I'm trying to apply game theory more this season and find that hand building gives me more control. Understand that an optimizer is just a tool for you to build lineups. Like you could use, so click the, click the players and put them in. There's no different. People have this perception of an optimizer telling you what to do. No, it's a tool for you. To, it's an efficiency tool. Always remember this. Whenever anyone says, well, the optimizer told me this and the optimizer did this and the optimizer, no. All it is an efficiency tool. I have one lineup to build. Here, can you can you do it for me? But did, did you tell it what you wanted to do. 
But if you want to go through and you want to go, okay, I want to see what, what these types of lineups look like and use it as a research tool, go, go for it. Right? You go, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about playing, uh, I'm thinking about playing a, a Titan stack with a, a, this guy as a run back. And he's like, you plug them in and you're, you run it and you see what these lineups look like and go, okay, well, I could play this guy here and that guy there. Like it's the same thing you would do is if you were hand building on your, on your, on your phone or something, just quicker. All it is is quicker. But people think it's some type of thing where it's magic. It's but all it is is solving a math problem for you. You could solve it on a piece of paper if you want. Ace Boogie. I had a quick question when looking for which stacks to play. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love my answer. Do you look for the ones that offer the most raw points or point per dollar? I know you have to look at ownership and see which ones are showing up as, as in the top X stacks versus their ownership, but which ones do we aim for? Raw points or point per dollar for contests such as the slant, which is still a big contest. Okay, you're not going to like my answer, Ace Boogie. Uh, I, I, choosing what stacks to play isn't as important as choosing what lineups to play. Okay? Understand. Once you understand, it is the biggest jump i think this, there's two jumps in dfs one the first jump is going from i know sports and i don't understand why am i losing right that's the that's the jump that's a lot of people don't get out of that zone of i i know the nfl but every time i play dfs i can't win at this right i play double ups nope can't even double up but i know but i know football right and i'm playing the i'm playing the best plays Right, I'm not even talking about the best plays when it comes to like looking at projections or anything. Just like, like, oh, well, this guy I think is good, right? That's like that's like 90% of the people that play DFS, right? Right. The biggest jump is to then go to that we're we're still we're playing a game of some type against other people. That it's not it's not about like how much knowledge you have of the NFL. Then from there, you're sitting here, and that's. A lot, of, a lot of people that would subscribe to Roto-Grinders, would you get $10 off your first month by clicking on the link in the description? Then you get, that's 90% of the field, like I said before. Then we get to the, like, not, the not next 9% is, okay, now that I know it's a game, now I'm going to choose players that fit within th this game dynamic, right? Players. You go, well, well this guy, well, this guy has a 22% chance of being in the winning lineup, and he's going to be 14% owned. So like I should play that guy, right? Like then now you're understanding kind of like kind of what expected value is, kind of like that, just that general concept. But you're applying it in a vacuum. Like you're just applying it, just going, well, I think this guy's a good play and that guy's at his ownership. This guy's a good play and at his ownership, that guy's a good play and at this ownership, that guy's a good play. So I'm going to play all three of them together. And then I'm going to say, you probably shouldn't play all three together. And I go, why? Why not? You said, because that lineup isn't as good as another lineup. You go, but, but, but those are the three best players for, yeah. But it makes you compromise on, on six other players in your lineup. And the overall lineup isn't as good as the lineup that you can make with two out of those three players. And then people's heads explode. They go, well, which two out of the three players that you, should you play? I go, whichever two you want. But those lineups actually are slightly better than the ones that you made. They go, but I'm playing the, but I'm playing the players. But I'm playing, you know, and people, people froth at the mouth. They go, what do you, what do you, as I, I keep on saying, well, well, you have to consider the lineup, not the players. They go, but, but I am considering the lineups. I'm building lineups with players. I said, yeah, so don't start from players. Start from lineups. I don't care who, I don't care what players are in the lineup if the lineup is better than another lineup. It doesn't matter to me. So if I was to go by, like we did the, we did the thing by, uh, by ceiling. Right, we did the ceiling. We did the ceiling thing here. Okay. Now let's put it, put stacks to this. Let's say I've been doing a typical large field type of lineup, which most likely is going to be like a three plus one of some type. Right? Who knows what type it is? Okay, I'm going to build a hundred lineups. I I don't know who projects better. I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen when I do. Okay, so I'm just going to build 100 lines that have at least 
Oh, I have to put the, I have to, I always forget to do this. I got to put the, the percentage in. It's not going to make those unless I put 100%. Uh, delete that. All right. So we're going to make just whatever, whatever the highest projected is. And I don't even know. I don't even know. As long as you're giving me a quarterback, two pass catchers, and a player from the other side of the game, just give me those lines. Let's see what they look like. Let's run that. While that's running, I'll go through the YouTube chat. Joe Clary, for NFL cash, do you just use your top cash lineup for all head-to-heads, double-ups, and et cetera, or do you diversify with a few cash lineups since the players are so bad you won't lose much ROI and you protect your bankroll? But uh, yeah, but, but, but anytime you diversify, you're also, you're also lowering, lowering your ROI. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a risk. Tolerance issue. Me, I just play one line, but I'm playing like I'm, I play a ton of head to heads. So I'm, I'm trying to play against as many opponents as possible. That's where I get the diversification. But if you were to play two cash lineups or three cash lineups, let's say, let's say you have a, a $600 worth of cash volume and you go, I'm going to play 200 in this lineup, 200 in that lineup, 200 in this lineup. And maybe they're very similar lineups, but they're like 2v2s, right? Like the expectation over the long run is going to actually be lower. Because yes, you're protecting your downside. You go, well, I can win on two of these and lose this one, right? So I don't, but I can't lose them all. If you're at that point, instead of playing $600 in cash volume, just play $400 in cash volume in one line or 300 in one line. From, from, a, from a, an EV perspective, from an ROI perspective, it's going to be the same. So all you're asking is like, how much diversification should you get? Well, it's all dependent on how much how much risk tolerance that you have. If you're if you're playing the proper percentage of your bankroll, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter as much. If you play play the best lineup you think is the the best median optimal lineup you could play, and play it against as many people as possible, you get enough diversification in that that you if you're playing within your bankroll that should, that that would maximize your ROI rather than try to hedge. But you can, if you want to hedge, that's fine. It's the same, it's the same thing as saying, I'm going to make a bet. I'm going to make a bet on a game, right? You make a bet on a game. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to bet a hundred dollars on one side of the game. And then later you're like, I'm going to bet $200 on the other side as a hedge. Cause I'm afraid of losing the hundred dollars. It's like, well, that's the same as making a hundred dollar bet on the other side. You're either going to win one and lose the other or win one and lose the other. So like, Oh, you're spending $300, but you, you can't possibly lose all $300 because you bet on both sides of the game. So why would the hell would you do that? Just let, just bet less, just bet less. You don't have to bet on both sides, but said 100 on this side. And let's someone bets hundred on this side and 20 on that side. Like why don't you just bet 80 on that side and 20 and, and get rid of the other 20. If, 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 if the risk is too much for you. Okay, so let's take a look at these lineups now. Okay, so I was talking before about the lineups, not players, right? We're talking about that. We're gonna get a lot. We're gonna get a lot of the Bengals. They project well, point per dollar. So now we're looking at stacks. We get Burrow. We get Hurts. We get Cousins. And we get Mahomes. Because now you're filling in multiple players. So now we look. We look at lineups, not players, right? We go back to the first one. Okay, this is, am I building? Okay, I'm building my ceiling, right? Right here. Okay. So in this one, 236. Median. Don't worry about ownership because the ownership is all off. The first one here with the Bengal stack is 228. Okay, so let me save this lineup. Save that, save that top lineup. Let's save this, this top lineup. It's working a little slow. So now we can see it side by side. The second one is a better lineup. They go, what about the second one? Not even, not, I'm not even talking about even considering ownership, right? Because we're not worried about ownership because, you know, we get zeros in here. It's, it, 
It's not accurate. It's a don't even worry. But this lineup, this bottom lineup projects for eight points lower, median-wise. Yet this lineup up here is way worse, right? This lineup, this lineup has Christian McCaffrey. This lineup doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. This lineup is better. Christian McCaffrey is a better play, play, projection-wise, than Dalvin Cook. You can see it right here. 28 for Dalvin Cook, 31 for Christian McCaffrey. But this bottom lineup for large field GPPs is better than this top lineup. Why is that? Well, this lineup has no correlation. Patrick Mahomes and no pass catch, right? That's Christian McCaffrey and Terrence Marshall together, which I guess at 3K, Terrence Marshall could still get there. But these two players are kind of negatively correlated. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna play these two Panthers, you might as well play, you might as well play Sam Darnold in this lineup. Right? You have Kyle Pitts in the Falcons defense, which I mean, there's there's not that much negative correlation there, but there is small amount of negative correlation there. So from a median perspective, from even just the, the, the 75th percentile perspective in a vacuum, this lineup projects better. But this lineup, too, has a higher GPP ceiling. Burrow with Chase and Higgins. You have no negative correlation. You have all positive correlation. Right? You have Dalvin Cook here instead of Christian McCaffrey because Dalvin Cook is on the other side of the Bengals. He's also 400 cheaper. Right? You couldn't fit Christian McCaffrey in this line. So is this lineup on the bottom better because I like Dalvin Cook over Chris McCaffrey? No, because this lineup as a whole has increased correlation, which increases the variance. Then once you get into ownership, you could talk about that. But like I said, we're removing ownership completely from this, from this equation. Is it because I like T Higgins? No. Oh, so you saying that T Higgins is a better play than Mark than Pitt. It's like, no, well, Higgins is a better play in a lineup with Joe Burrow in it than Ben Pittman. If you don't have Joe Burrow in this lineup, then probably you shouldn't be having to. If we we change Joe Burrow out of this lineup and put in Matt Ryan, which would still make sense, right? Matt Ryan to Kyle Pitts. Now I would look at this lineup and go, why do you have two Bengals receivers without the Burrow? Does that mean you don't like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? No, I'm not not saying that. I'm saying that. doesn't make sense in this lineup, right? In this lineup, right? Matt Ryan, right? Dalvin Cook may not even make sense in this lineup. Maybe you play Miles Sanders, right? You do something like that, right? As the And then you play Calvin Ridley, right? So now you're playing Ridley Pitts, Miles Sanders run back. If Kamara, you don't want to necessarily play Kamara and Callaway together. Maybe we go, maybe we play, maybe we still play McCaffrey in this lineup. We could do it. Move Jamar Chase down to someone, someone down here. Rondell, uh, Elijah Moore, even better. Like this lineup, look how much lower this lineup projects. Right? I mean, I'm not, some of these plays, I mean, they're not the best plays in the world, but this lineup makes sense. Ryan to Ridley and Pitts. Miles Sanders as the run back, the guy on the other side of the game. You have McCaffrey and Elijah Moore. They're opposite each other. Then you have Najee Harris as a one-off. McCallaway as a one-off. There you go, in the Jaguars defense or whatever, whatever. You could pay up, fine. Go up, go up, to, go up to the Vikings defense, right? The Bengals throw the ball and the Vikings get two touchdowns or whatever. There you go. Obviously, this lineup projects much poorer than other lineups. But this lineup makes sense. So you'd be like, oh, 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 Jordan. So you're telling me that that Miles Sanders is a good play. No, Miles Sanders is not a good play in a vacuum. But he makes more sense in this lineup. If if you lock this lineup the way it was, you have 6,500 at running back. And you're like, well, I'm going to play Joe Mixon because he projects better instead. And I'd say, no, you should play Miles Sanders. 
but Mixon projects two points better. Yeah, but Miles Sanders goes along with the Falcons more than Mixon does. So the difference of the two points in projection, I'd rather the correlation. Now, if Miles Sanders was projected 10 points lower than Mixon, then, then now it's like, do you want to give up 10 points of projection for the sake of a small amount of correlation? No. But since the only difference is two points, Miles Sanders makes more sense in this lineup. Elijah Moore, like, oh, well, I'm going to play, instead of playing Elijah Moore, I'm going to play Ron Delmi. Well, what's the difference between their projections? What, 9.92 and what Rondell Moore is what? I don't even know what it is. 9.41. I mean, it's the, they're both about the same. The only difference is, is that Christian McCaffrey's on the Panthers, Moore's on the, the Jets, and players on opposite sides of the game have some, it's not the strongest correlation, but some amount of correlation that you're getting, you're getting a boost from. So in this specific lineup, Elijah Moore is better than Rondo. He's better than Terrence Marshall. In a different lineup, if we play, if we play Chris, instead of playing Christian McCaffrey here, we play Dalvin Cook. Obviously, maybe not even playing the Vikings defense. Let's say instead of playing Dalvin Cook, we play uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah, that's a perfect example. So you're playing Derrick Henry now. Now Elijah Moore doesn't make, you know, who makes sense? Rondell Moore. Right? We're doing the same exact thing. Henry is on the Titans. Rondell Moore's on the Cardinals. Probably pay up even more defense or whatever. So you got the stack. You got the run back. You got, I mean, you still have one-offs. But since you're playing Derrick Henry, it makes more sense to play Rondell Moore. If you're playing Christian McCaffrey, it makes more sense to play Elijah Moore. Doesn't mean individual. When you think in terms of what players to play, you're going, should I play Rondell or should I play Elijah? Should I play T. Higgins or should I play this guy? Should I play that guy? Should I play this guy? It's like, well, what's your lineup? So once you start looking at lineups and not individual players, then you start getting much better at DFS. A lot of people are building these types of lineups. You're going to go into, go into large field contests. You're going to see lineups that look like this. And you look at them and you go, why, why, what sense is this? It could still get there. Sure, you're right. But what sense is this? There are high, there are higher expected value lineups that actually project median-wise lower. So play play the players in the lineups that make that it makes sense in those lineups. That's lineups, not players. So when people ask me, uh, do you like this guy or that guy? I'm like, what does like mean? I don't know. I don't know what that word means. Like, I can tell you who's higher projected than one another, but that that's the only context I have. And then I'll show you the lineups that I build, and then people are like, well, you know, oh, you telling me you like this guy over the? Oh, uh, they'll see Marcus Callaway in a lineup, right? After me saying like, oh, I'm probably going to be under, under on him. They go, oh, well, I see some of the lineups you're building. You have Callaway. It's like, well, they make sense. Callaway makes sense in this lineup. He doesn't make sense in that lineup. Right, you go well. How do how do you tell the difference? It's what well, that that's what I'm trying to show you. How do you lineups, not players? And once you add, once you factor in ownership, it makes it even. Then you have another layer to put on top of that. So once you start thinking like lineups, not players, you start playing much better, and then you start not worrying about you. You remove a lot, like ninety percent of the research that you do. Is this guy good against this cornerback? You know, those types of things. What does it matter? Build good lineups. Okay, let's see. Any last questions in the YouTube chat chat before we get out of here? Matthew P. Blender, you always remind me how much edge there is. 90% of people play guys who think they are good at football. Right, exactly. OA asks, uh, thoughts reusing 150 lineups across multiple tournaments or having uniques across all tournaments. I personally play all uniques. But like I said, there's no, there's no, there's no right answer there. It's just a matter of risk tolerance. Right? If I'm going to play, I'm going to play 150 lineups into the, the $5 million DK this week. But I'm also playing 70 lineups into the slam. I'm also playing 20 lineups into the play action. I'm also playing 20. There's another 20 matches. You know, I'm playing 
I'm just building all unique lineups. I just want to, I just want one to win first place, right? That's it. But I, I'm giving myself, like I'm, now I have a more diversified portfolio than just 150 even. I like the, I, I prefer the diversification. Other people like I'll build my best of 150 and I'll put it in everything. And then you also don't have to worry about, well, it's in the, this lineup and it, it would have won the million dollars. I mean, some people are like that. But no, there's, there's no correct answer. It's just a matter of how much diversification do you want. Right, Ace Boogie says, but for someone who doesn't build 150 lineups, I was wondering if I should focus on raw points or point per dollar for my stacks, but I guess it doesn't matter. You're right, it doesn't. You're right, it doesn't matter. For your stacks, well, it depends on the lineup. Right? The Kansas City Chiefs stack is not going to be the best point per dollar stack. Maybe the best high raw point stack. But what? Okay, so you have that stack. You have Patrick Mahomes. Who are they playing? The Browns. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Tyree. You, you, play, you play a three plus one of that or two plus one or whatever. What does it matter if the rest of your lineup sucks? Right? So what's in the rest of your lineup? Show me the full lineup. And you look, you go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Chiefs stacks. What do they look like? And then I'm going to look at this team stacks. What did that, the whole lineup looks like? Well, if I play this type of stack, that means I'm not able to play, uh, you know, two 9K running backs. But are, you, are you fine with that? Or do the constructions with two 9K running backs look better? Right? Well, if I play this Chief stacks, I'm obviously playing Kelsey, probably, playing Mahomes, Kelsey or something. Uh, but it doesn't allow, now I'm not, now in these lineups, I'm more likely to play Antonio Gibson. I'm more likely to play Joe Mixon. I'm more likely to play Najee Harris and not even have a 9K running back in my, in my lineup at all. I won't have Kamara, I won't have Cook, and I won't have McCaffrey. Well, is that, is, that, is that good or bad? Do you like that better? I mean, what, what is it? So it's not a matter of just the stack. It's a matter of what, what's the rest of your lineup look like also. You can't get everything. I'm going to play the highest raw point stack and the highest. I'm playing, you know, like there's no salary. Like just, there's, there's salary and positional constraints. So every, everything positive you do in your stack, it may negatively affect the rest of your line. And you have to weigh the differences. Yes, when you play a cheap stack, if you, if you play a Darnold, if you don't even play McCaffrey in that line, right? So you're playing Darnold and Marshall and Robbie Anderson, and you're running it back with Elijah Moore, like, like the rest of your lineup is like Devontae Adams and Tyree Hill and, and, and Dalvin Cook. You, know, you could spend up everywhere. But your stack is, you know, stack is not the highest rough point stack there is. But it allows now you to spend up everywhere else. And maybe you get ceiling results out of all those, all of those players. And the cheap stack ends up being worth it. But maybe it's not. So that's why it's not just the stack, just like in baseball. How do you look at five-man stacks? It's like, no, I look at full lineups. You can play a five, like, if you're playing a cheap five-man stack, obviously the rest of your, your MLB lineup is going to be like Otani and Harper and Soda. I mean, like you could, you could pay up. You play two ace pitchers. You're like, oh, I'm going to stack the Blue Jays for, you know, 6K a piece. Well, that means you're going to have to play cheap pitchers. That means you're going to have cheap one-offs. Are there cheap one-offs worth playing? Maybe there aren't. So even though the Blue Jays may be the highest point stack on that possible, Projection-wise, maybe those lineups aren't as good because there's like no value. You have to like punt everywhere in the rest of your lineup. That's what I mean by looking at lineups and not players. Okie doke. So hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the thumb, thummy thumbs. We got a lot of content, right? I can't, I can't go over that that often here because we got, we got, we got a schedule to maintain. The trains got to run on time, right? Eli's back. Eli's been gone. Everyone wave in the chat to Eli right? Producing the show back again. Uh, but we got, we got the OGs, we got the premium content, the, the HQ show, the slow cast, it's still baseball grinders live is later, later today, right? Crunch time for premium members. Tomorrow we got a bunch of shows. I I'm, I'm on Friday. I'm doing the sports analytics show. And there's so much stuff. The Thursday night showdown. I'll be on that also. There's so many, there's so much stuff. So subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Give me some thummy thumbs, and uh, in the in the description, if you want if you want the premium stuff, 
You're at Roto-Grinders. Lineup HQ, all the premium content. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And like I said, if I didn't answer your question or anything like that, I'm, I'm here all the time. This is, what, this, this is what we do, right? Talk through DFS strategy, show you some tools, uh, give you some advice on construction and everything else. Mondays through Fridays, 11 o'clock in the morning, as always, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>